This is episode 42 of Teacher Approved. You're listening to Teacher Approved, the podcast helping educators elevate what matters and simplify the rest. I'm Heidi. And I'm Emily. We're the creators behind Second Story Window, where we give research-based and teacher-approved strategies that make teaching less stressful and more effective. You can check out the show notes and resources from each episode at secondstorywindow.net. We're so glad you're tuning in today. Let's get to the show. Hey there. Thanks for joining us today. Today, we're delighted to share a special guest episode from our friend Cassie, who is the host of the After the Bell podcast. We asked if we could share one of her episodes here with you on our podcast, so you can get to know Cassie and her amazing show. In today's episode, Cassie interviews Maria Walther about how teachers can shake up their shared reading. We loved this episode, and we think you will too. Yes, it's so good. Cassie is amazing at finding experts in specific subject areas, and then she helps distill their expertise into practical takeaways for teachers, which you know we love. Here's Cassie. Welcome to After the Bell Podcast, where we help elementary educators improve their classrooms and empower their teaching. My name is Cassie Tabrizi, and joining me today is Maria Walther. Maria is the author of the book, Shake Up Shared Reading, where she talks about how to incorporate shared reading into your classroom. And she also shares in this book 100 lesson ideas with some great picture books that you can start using right away. During this episode, we talk about some of the benefits of shared reading, which include building oral language, increasing language and listening comprehension, and just general knowledge building, which we always want. She also shares some of her current favorite picture books, which you know I love. I'm a little obsessed with those books. Just a quick shout out to say thank you to those who follow me on Patreon, Tiffany, Alicia, Jenny, Karen, and so many more people. I just really appreciate your support month after month. Your support means I get to do what I love to do every day, and it's pretty incredible. If you want to become a patron, you can go to patreon.com forward slash creativities to sign up for as little as a dollar per month. You get access to an entire archive of freebies and downloads and printables and extras that you won't find anywhere else. And there's so much more coming your way. All right, let's dive in with Maria. Maria, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This is a topic that I am really interested in and passionate about, and I can't wait to dive in with you. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for welcoming me. Yeah. What made you want to write a book on shared reading? Uh, That's a great question. So really, the book on shared reading, Shake Up Shared Reading, was the follow-up to the Ramped Up Read Aloud. And the reason I wanted to write a book on shared reading today is because, you know, when I started teaching 34, 36 years ago now, a lot of our shared reading was done with big books, pocket charts, and that has changed over the years. And so I really wanted to explore ways to do shared reading with the picture books teachers were already using in their classroom. So that's really how Shake Up Shared Reading uh, happened. And also to explore that connection between the read aloud experience and the shared reading experience. Because as we both know, time in the classroom is tight. So I was just looking for ways to to, um, make it more efficient. And can you tell people who might not fully understand the difference, what is the difference between reading aloud and shared reading? 
Um, the difference between reading aloud and shared reading is really the interaction with the students. So during a read aloud, uh, the teacher is doing most of the heavy lifting and there is always conversation going on and interaction be- between the students, but the students are often not joining in on the actual reading of the text. So during a shared reading interaction, it's very collaborative. Students can see the text. They're joining in on the text. They're doing some investigating, trying to figure out um, a strategy or a skill. And then they're also approximating as they read that text together with their peers. So that's really the big difference is the amount of the way that we release the responsibility to students. So teachers, during a read-aloud, teachers have most of the responsibility. During shared reading, that responsibility is shared, hence the title shared reading. Right. And I'm curious as to what that looks like, because with read-alouds, you know, I know I'm very familiar with the teacher has the book. They're stopping at certain points and they're pointing things out and they're asking questions and they're trying to make it interactive and get the kids to talk to each other or answer questions. But what does a shared reading experience look like? Can you give me just like a brief example? Mm-hmm. So today in today's classrooms, what a shared reading experience looks like. And, and this is my definition. So a short burst of shared reading would look like this. After the read aloud experience, and not immediately after because the attention span isn't there, but later in the day or at some other point, this teacher would go back to a few key pages in that picture book and project those pages. And as they were as the students were looking at those pages, investigate them in some way. So let's say, for example, they projected some key pages that had rhyming words. Then we can talk together about, you know, rhyming words. Why do those words rhyme? Are the spelling patterns the same or different? Let's reread these pages and hear how they sound. So really being very specific with the goal or the strategy that you're working on in a short burst, so a short piece of text. So a teacher could take a book, like you share one on a normal pig, the picture book, a normal pig. They could do a, a, like an interactive read aloud earlier in the day and then come back to it, focus on one or two pages or just a short piece of it. And that would make it more of the shared reading experience. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. And the fact that the kids are going to reread. So there's always that constant rereading because the goal of shared reading is to build fluency, one of the many goals. But so you want kids engaged in that text and reading and rereading and hearing that fluent reading the way that that sounds. So it's kind of like it's basically doing a close read on the text, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe just a little bit more interactive or... And I think the difference between maybe, a, a yes, I guess you could call it a close read, but the difference between that and a shared reading in my mind is the type of text that you would pick for that. Okay. So Explain all of that. the texts for shared reading are very repetitive, have, uh, or the pages that you might pick have a catchy part that students can repeat. So you really want to be purposeful in your text selection for shared reading. And that's really what I tried to do in the book is look at those texts where 
they were a great read aloud experience. But when you wanted to focus on a specific skill or strategy, that text worked very well. Okay. And you mentioned one of the goals of shared reading. What what are some of the benefits of doing it in this way? Well, I think the biggest benefit, and I think what we've seen in these last two years of teaching during a pandemic, is that we have seen in classrooms that students really need a lot of oral language development. Right. And we know that oral language development is that foundation where all the other literacy sits. So when you're engaged in a shared reading interaction, you are building students' oral language by, you know, introducing them to lots of new words and phrases and, and, and very similar to the read aloud, but it's just more intensive and it gives students more opportunities to say the words. During a read aloud, yes, they might turn and talk and have a little discussion, but during shared reading, they're reading those words. So you're really expanding their oral language development. And the other benefit is that it, it, it makes that bridge. You know, when we teach in a gradual release uh, classroom, we start with read aloud, we bridge into shared, and then we go right into small group. So that shared reading is really that bridge between that whole group and those small group interactions. And as you said earlier, with close reading, you know, close reading is effective when it's purposeful and kids know why. Right. And so shared reading is the same. We want kids rereading for a specific reason, and they know that reason. So you state that at the beginning, you know, today we're going to go and we're going to investigate these rhyming words. Let's see if we can find words that rhyme and words that don't. Yeah. And I think it's important. Well, really for every lesson, kids should know exactly why and what the, the focus is, but it is, it's critical in situations like this to keep kids focused and to show them, Hey, there's an actual reason. And if we can talk about it beforehand, they're going to be have their brains turned on and looking for it and already more engaged than they would be otherwise if we didn't do that piece of it. True. And the other part of that is what your end goal in any time you're guiding a reader, whether it's in a read aloud and shared and small group or whether you're conferring, is so that they can do it independently. Right. And so if they have that, you know, today I'm learning how to look for a small word and a big word so that when I go out and I'm reading, I can look for small words and big words. Right. So I think it's that by stating your intention or your learning target at the beginning, you're also helping kids to internalize that when they do it on their own. And that brings up some questions about what what should the focus be with shared reading? Because you've mentioned rhyming words. I know we could do vocabulary um, in, in the book, you talk about, you know, phonics, phonemic awareness skills as well. Is this, are those the only things you really want to focus on? Because that sounds also like it's for primary grades. Is this something, are there more skills? Is this something that could be for upper grades as well? Um, yes. Yeah, so you definitely can work on the foundational skills during shared reading, all the ones that you've mentioned. But you can also go in to really dig into comprehension to talk about, you know, inferring the character's feelings, using dialogue and using their actions. You can go back in and do a shared reading from a writer's point of view, studying the craft mm -hmm. that that writer used 
And in that way, certainly this is something that could be done in the middle grades or even in middle school. Uh, you can go back in and investigate. Like when you mentioned vocabulary, well, vocabulary development is key across the grade levels. And when you're focused on vocabulary, you're really trying to help students to use those strategies and, you know, to teach them what, again, how to figure out a word on their own when they're reading on their own. So I see this as something that can go across the grades. I mean, the reason both Ramped Up and, and Shake Up have that pre-K-3 label on them is because I've spent my life in first grade. So all of the samples and ideas come from first grade, but lots and lots of teachers, as you know, read aloud and do shared reading in the middle grades. The thing that changes is the response. Like the student's response in a middle grade classroom will look different. They can still be responding to the same question, but their actual written response or, you know, product that they create will be different. Yeah. And I, because I taught third and I love picture books and I loved using them. And recently as I've been reading and we hear more about, oh, the science of reading and, you know, all of that different stuff, I feel like I now no longer know where picture books and interactive read-alouds and shared reading have a place because I was reading a book on comprehension by Dr. Fisher, Dr. Fry, and I think there might have been another author, which I apologize, I can't remember who it was now. And they talk about not using interactive read-alouds to create what they called fossilized skill instruction, which, because how I was taught to use it and how I used picture books was, okay, we're going to talk about inferring. And we're going to read this picture book this day and another one this day and a completely separate one, you know, the third day. And then next week, we're going to move on to point of view. And then next week, asking whatever, you know. And so then I'm doing all of this reading and I'm like, wait, okay, that was just fossilized skill instruction where they can't really connect it because we're talking about it in the context of one book that's not related to another book that's not related to the larger topics that we're teaching. And now I feel like I don't know how to incorporate picture books into the school day without this like guilty voice in the back of my head of this isn't right. You shouldn't be doing it this way. You're wasting time. Well, I think I mean, you've asked a lot of got a lot of layers to that question. I know. I, I, <laughs> Here we because, go. Like it stresses me out because I right. love them. But now I'm like, I feel like I've done it wrong. And now I don't know how to do it unless they're all tied into whatever unit, you know, we might be talking about. Right. Well, okay, so let's unpeel some of the layers. First of all, yeah, I do believe that this. I'll help you unpack that okay. a little in my mind. First of all, I think there's no one right way to teach children. Yeah. We are certainly learning a lot from science, but when we're in front of a group of children, we also have to read the room. We have to know what they need, right? We have to do what's best for students. Right. So when we think about where read aloud and shared reading fits in the science of reading umbrella. To me, it's language comprehension. That's where the read aloud piece sits. So then if your focus is on language comprehension, and you're, well, I'll broaden that out to bigger comprehension in a minute. So we have language comprehension. And we also have listening comprehension, obviously, which right. is a huge base that their, their reading comprehension sits on, and also knowledge building. So 
I understand what you're saying about fossilized strategy instruction. I think when we are reading aloud to students, we naturally, and hopefully that's the work that I've done in Shake Up, is integrate a lot of strategies and questions that prompt students to use a lot of different comprehension strategies during an interactive read aloud. So I think just as you did, I'm oftentimes will read and I'm asked very frequently, can you give me a great book for predicting? What's a wonderful book for inferring? And I guess in my mind, if that's one little piece of what you're doing to help them be a better comprehender, I don't know that you're doing anything necessarily wrong, but you want to follow up that read aloud with lots of practice in real books, right? So again, it goes to that guiding readers across the day. Yes, read aloud is just this one piece where you might introduce a strategy, but then when you sit down next to a reader and you confer with them, you can refer back to, oh, remember when we were doing, you know, when we were talking about inferring, that's exactly what you're doing right here in this book. So it's the teacher's job to make, to unfossilize that, right? right? To make the connections and help kids see all those connections. Yeah, well, and I like the idea of looking at it as language comprehension and listening comprehension, because those are critical, especially like you mentioned now with the oral language development too. And it's something that it's easy to forget because you think, oh, we're talking throughout the day and we're going over things and I have a vocabulary wall. and But read alouds and shared reading are a good way to practice that language comprehension and like have a laser focus on it in a way. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the picture books that you choose for these things should be tied into your larger units? So say you're teaching something on, I don't know, the Revolutionary War. I know that's not first grade, but that's the first thing that came into my head. Would you pick historical fiction picture books or something with similar themes to do your interactive read-alouds and shared reading? Uh, Yes, because as we said at the beginning, right, there isn't much time. Right. So you you don't really have time to read aloud all of these books and teach that overarching big idea. So I always taught in a curriculum that we had an overarching big idea, and then all of the read alouds and all the learning experiences fed that big idea. So yes, and, you know, in Shake Up Shared Reading, I I mean, the the four chapters really are community, what you would do at the beginning of the year. Then we have fiction, nonfiction, and writing, because those can go into any big idea. But I, yes, I think that the more you can tie for students, that they can see the thread running through your entire day from your overarching big idea to your learning intentions and then into the learning experiences that you provide that helps learning make sense for students. So to answer your question, yes, I would look for books with similar themes. And, you know, earlier when you said, you know, reading one book on one day and one book on the next day and another book, text sets are also a wonderful way to provide children with a lot of different views and especially multi-genre text sets or multimodal text sets. So a video clip, you know, And all of that, you know, you could kind of call that shared reading too. You know, let's view this video and have a conversation about it. Yeah, that's true. And I, 
I think I just get so worried about doing the wrong thing that I put myself in a box a little bit. And it's like, yeah, you know what? A video clip could be part of a text set and could be part of a shared reading experience. And it's all working together to accomplish our overall goal for the day, the week, the unit, the whatever it is. Well, and when we go and look at engagement, right, right now, I think, you know, we've learned again over the last two years how important engagement was. I was just, my daughter teaches seventh grade, and they were doing odes, and she showed a video clip of a spoken word poet reading her rat ode, um, Elizabeth Acevedo. Now, if she had just handed out the rat ode and, you know, the piece of paper with the rat ode on it and the students read it, it would have been a completely different learning experience than watching the poet perform it. Right. And so I think we have that advantage now of so many authors reading their work, you know, online that we can access. And I think that just makes the experience richer for kids. Yeah, it does. And thinking back from where I started with an overhead projector and transparencies to now YouTube and all of these resources and Book It and Kahoot, you know, it's just we have a lot of things that we can pull from. So you mentioned that there could also be nonfiction. Because to me, when I think nonfiction, I think, oh, you're reading it either to share information or to look at nonfiction text features. How can teachers use a nonfiction piece for shared reading effectively? And that goes beyond just, oh, look, let's look for bolded words and let's look for captions and all of that. Well, I think when we just the the, kind of the umbrella over that is it is challenging, especially for primary grades to pick effective nonfiction texts for both read aloud and shared reading. So text selection is key. And when I'm thinking of text selection for shared reading for a nonfiction text, there's two categories. One, it would be very engaging light on the amount of text, or perhaps a multi-level text. So they would have a, um, like, I don't know, I have books here, but the Beak Book by Robin Page. So in Robin Page's Beak Book, she has one level of text that is very simple. The Beak is for straining, the Beak is for, and it goes that way. But then she has another paragraph with additional facts. So books like that are helpful because you can go back in during shared reading and really focus on the simpler sentence and perhaps talk about, you know, in this book, all the ways that they use beaks. Let's look at all those different words. That's one type of text that I would look for. The other type of text for shared reading is a book, like many of the ones by Steve Jenkins, the late Steve Jenkins, where you could really focus on just one page at a time. So he has many, many books, you know, Apex Predators, where each page is about a different predator. And you can do a shared reading on just one short piece of text rather than the whole book. And what I love about nonfiction for shared reading is that it really leads to inquiry. So after you read a book about beaks or Apex Predators or, you know, whatever it might be, then students are curious and want to go out and do their own research. And that can take them in so many different directions. So putting that invitation out there after perhaps you haven't finished the whole book, you just use a page or two, then putting the book in the center or somewhere for the kids to access and say, okay, now have at it. 
what else can you find out? Yeah, and I've found in my experience that nonfiction books, not always, but a lot of the time tend to have the most engagement because it's kids are naturally curious and they like to learn and they like to learn about the world around them to help them make sense of it. And there's a lot of engagement and a lot of enthusiasm with a nonfiction book because they feel like, oh, the, I'm learning something. This is real. This is what scientists do, or this is about animals, or, you know, and it just amps up their level of motivation and engagement. Mm-hmm. I would thoroughly agree. And so it's just, a, you know, especially for me with the younger audience of readers, just trying to find those highly engaging books that perhaps don't have a either have level text or don't not leveled in the Fountas and Pinal level, but different types of text or not a lot of words. Yeah. Uh, Gail Gibbons is another one I like to use in third grade a lot. Hers are a little bit more wordy, but you can focus on just a few pages. Right. And then when you were saying, you know, what would you do? You know, what would you focus on for shared reading other than text features? Well, there's just so much that you can explore I like to explore nonfiction really from that writer's perspective, too. You know, how did this writer make the text engaging? What did this writer do? How could you do this in your writing? So I think you can approach it from that standpoint, too, when you're reading nonfiction. Yeah, absolutely. What are some, we've talked a little bit about nonfiction. So what are things you should look for in fiction books that would make them a good fit for a shared reading or your read aloud piece? You know, when I'm looking for books, I'm really thinking about books that kids are going to engage with. So there's a lot of, as you well know, lots of picture books out there, lots of well-reviewed picture books, but kids are savvy. You know, there are books they like and books they don't. So really judging a lot of times by the engagement of the students. And I know that's hard to do when you're going to your local bookstore or or you're going to the library and you're trying to pick, but when you've been teaching a long time, you, I think you have a good eye for that, right. knowing whether kids are going to enjoy this book or not. So I'm thinking about that. I'm also thinking about the way that kids will react. You know, is there a surprise ending? Are there, um, you know, surprises along the way? Will they react in a certain way to this book? You know, what's the reaction going to be? And thinking about books that kids will naturally want to reread. You know, as you said, nonfiction, certainly after you finish that book and put it in the classroom library, the kids are fighting over it, right? Right. And then for me, I'm always looking for unique books, books that I haven't seen, you know, before that the author, the one that always comes to mind, my like biggest example of a unique book was been around a long time is Duck Rabbit by Amy Krauss Rosenthal and Tom Lichtenhout. Like until that book no one had really done that, you know, looked at this image and had kids look at it in different ways. So I'm thinking about the uniqueness, just something that's a little bit different. Yeah, that's a good one to talk about. I love using that one to talk about perspective and -hmm. point of view even. And that's a great one. Yeah, it is great. But you know, it's so unique, right? And just the fact on the back, he makes the zebra into or the barcode into a zebra, you know, and just fun. I mean, Anything like that, that kids will notice, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, I remember First Day Jitters, I mean, that one's become a little bit more prolific. But when I first started, and the kids had never read it, now I think they've probably all read it. But 
And they were so shocked at the end when it was the teacher and not a student. And it's like, what? Because before, and you can kind of see, they're like, okay, I know where this is going. I get this story. I've heard this before. And then it's like, oh, okay, that's different. Yeah, exactly. And that's always fun. You're right. And and I read a lot of picture books, as you do. And, you know, it's a, a rare one that make you, you say, oh, my goodness, this is hysterical. A great ending. You know, I didn't see that coming. Yeah. And it's hard for me because I, I shop like online on Amazon or whatever for picture books. And a lot of them will come, you can't see every page. And so they'll just have a ton of ratings. So I'll be like, Oh, that, that looks cute. That or that would be good for this. And then I'll buy it. And I'm like, Oh, you know, that's not, it's not ri- rich enough text, or there's not enough meat in there or, you know, and so it's helpful I have to like force myself to go to Barnes and Noble or a local bookshop or even the library and look through it because otherwise I get caught up in, oh, this has a lot of reviews. This must be good. Right. Or they say teachers pick at the top and then I buy it. And I'm like, oh, I, not this teacher. I wouldn't pick that. Well, and I think, yeah, that's, I mean, I check out lots of books from the library too, just to look at them first and see like you said, you have to read it. And then you have to really, sometimes you have to read it to kids too. And that changes every year. Yeah. One year the kids love the book and they can't get enough of it. The next year you read it and it's a flop. I mean, that's their personalities, but it takes time to curate book collections. Yeah, it does. And you're right. It does change from year to year. And a book that you love and you think, oh, every kid is going to love this. And you read it and then it's kind of like, wah, wah. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. guys, come on. It's such a good one. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. They are, they have finicky personalities sometimes. Yeah. It's true. Well, what are some of your favorite books that you like to use for shared reading? Oh, Just right any now. genre. Can I tell you my right now favorites? Yeah. yeah. I, um, so, and you can't see, so you can't see in my office, but I'm surrounded by books here. So I'll ch- show you some of the books I've been talking about the most with teachers for shared reading. Okay, great. Uh, this one is called, I don't know if you've seen this one, Everybody in the Red Brick Building. No. So it's by Ann Winter. It's her debut picture book. And then it's illustrated by the very talented Oge Mora. And it's about a uh, red brick brick building but everyone is sleeping in the red brick building until a baby wakes up and after that everyone starts waking up until you get this wonderful two-page spread where you have all the sounds of the building and kids love onomatopoeia as you know they love to join in so this is perfect for shared reading because it's cumulative each sound builds on the next and then it ends with all of the quiet sounds and the baby going to sleep finally. And it reminds me, when I've shared it with teachers, I always give them the quiz. It reminds me of this old book called The Napping House oh, yeah. by Audrey and Don Wood. So I always say it's a great book for pajama day, too. So I love that because it's cumulative, which is something I look for, too, in shared reading books. It has the noisy words, onomatopoeia. They love that and can go back and look at that. And it, um, it's just a lot of fun and you know kids will join in. Then a new one that I just got is called Donut. This is by Laura Gell. And I'm not sure how to say Andrea's last name, Zul. But it is about a unicorn, which you know is going to be a surefire hit in every classroom. 
But why I would choose it for shared reading is it just has these two word sentences that are, that rhyme. So as Donut is trying to learn how to fly, you know, Donut falls, so he wail or it wails. I'm not sure if it's he or she. Donut sails, Donut flails. So great for going back in and looking at those rhyming words and also talking about persistence, growth mindset, trying again. In the end, Donut is able to fly with the help of Donut's friends. So that's fun. That's cute. Also great to project because just a short amount of text that kids can repeat and reread. And then this is a new series. I don't know if you've seen these by Juana Medina. Mm -hmm. I am a book. This one's I am. And then there's also I will. And I am just came out. And it's all of the different um, things that kids can do. So I am funny, I am smart, and I can see this leading to great innovation where kids write about their identities, what they are. Yeah, like a biography poem or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's it's a great little series. I Will, the first book, is a book of promises. So you could use that at the beginning of the year as students are making their shared agreements. And then... In the unique category, the most unique book I've read lately is this book by, um, I gotta remember how to say, Margot McGink, is how you say her name. People are wild. Oh, I've seen that one. Have you seen it? Oh my gosh. It's hilarious because what it is, is the animals are looking at the people and the mother is telling the animal why it cannot go near the person. It says, that's a person because people are wild. They're so loud. They're so messy. And just, it's, it's really fun. And I haven't, you know, I haven't seen that before that goes back to duck rabbit, that change in point of view. So it's told from the point of view of the animals about people right? and just, you know, great for an animal unit. But again, just short pieces of text in there that kids could reread and go back into. Nice. Those are all good ones. And I wrote them down. So thank you for sharing. And I don't want to take too much more of your time. But I have one last question for you. For teachers who are not yet really incorporating shared reading into their classrooms, how could they get started? Well, I think the easiest way to get started is just think about what your learners need to practice. So based on your formative assessments, um, what you've noticed from kid watching and sitting next to readers, you know, what is it that as a general group, your kids need to practice? You can also do shared reading in a small group if you wanted. So that's part one. Step two is just pick a text that will engage them, something that will help you to focus on that skill or strategy. And then when I'm framing that learning intention or that learning target, I'm always trying to frame that as a mystery. So today, we're going to go back into this book and try to figure out, you know, why these words rhyme. Or today, we're going to go back into this book and look at the characters' faces to try to infer how they're feeling, whatever it is. And then in shared reading, you want to do our my turn, our turn, your turn. So demonstrate something based on your learning intention. Try it out as a group practice as a group, and then let kids go ahead and practice on their own. And you can do that on different pages in the book or in different parts of the book. But just having them have that time for you to demonstrate, kids to go ahead and try it on their own, and then 
I like to end with that, you know, invitation to innovate. Like what, what could you create based on what you learned in this book? So go create something. Yeah. I like that piece of it too. Well, thank you so much for all of your time and your insights. If anyone out there is really wanting to start shared reading, I can't recommend Shake Up Shared Reading enough. There are, oh, I don't know, what, at least 100 lesson plans or lesson Mm -hmm, ideas in here that walk you through it so you don't have to recreate the wheel. And that's very, very helpful. So I appreciate you putting this together and making it easier for people who want to get started with it. Well, thanks, Cassie. And thanks so, so much for having me today. It was a pleasure. Pleasure chatting. Yes, it was. Thank you. It's nice to talk to someone who is as obsessed with picture books as I am, because sometimes I feel alone in that. It's a little crazy. I need to tone it down a little bit, but I can't help it. It's also helpful for me to remember that there still is a place for picture books and an important place, actually, and that I can still incorporate them into my lessons without feeling like I'm doing something wrong or wasting time. So this was a really helpful episode for me, and hopefully it was helpful for you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Teacher Approved. I'm Heidi. And I'm Emily. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow or subscribe in your podcast apps so that you never miss an episode. You can connect with us and other teachers in the Teacher Approved Facebook group. We'll see you here next week. Bye for now. Bye.